0: Welcome to Shin Kicking Mondays, the Shut Up Show's free weekly coaching series, where I help brave entrepreneurs kick fear to the curb, shut up, and make shit happen. Join us live every Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time. Simply go to bernieshung.com slash live. If you want your question featured, simply leave your question in the comment box. Let the Shin Kicking begin. And welcome to another edition of Shin Kicking Mondays. I am so sorry. I didn't realize it's supposed to if you if anybody uses Google Hangout, it's supposed to go ding <laughs> to let you know you are live. We are live. Yes. As I have noted in the shares that I've sent out prior to broadcasting today, I am on pre vacation is what I'm calling it. A couple of days ago I came up north to drop off the dogs before I head on over to Portland for five days. And so uh, I've been away (laughs) and unplugged and it's been such a fantastic feeling to just be able to relax, not really have to rely on technology very much, and to just unwind and enjoy the beautiful weather that we're finally getting here in the Midwest. So, as you can see, this isn't my normal backdrop. I tried to do the best I could with the lighting that I have, but uh, it's a fantastic scenery out there. I'm actually at my family's uh, home, and there's this beautiful yard in the back with a beautiful pond, and I got to go pedal boating, and uh, I didn't kayak yet. Hopefully, we'll get to do that. But anyway, it's been such an amazing feeling to just relax, spend quality time with family, spend time with the dogs, And then it's so funny because I'm actually super, super exhausted and I haven't even gone on vacation yet. I'm actually leaving tomorrow and I'll be gone for five days. So it's been different. But I can honestly say that over time I've gotten a lot better at relaxing and um, just allowing myself to be still. That was something that my psychotherapist asked me a couple of years back. She said, Do you know how to be still? Do you know what that means? Do you know how to do that? I was like, Of course I know how to do that. I can read a book, you know, I can listen to music. And she said, No, just absolutely staying still, meaning not doing anything, not looking at anything, not, you know, listening to anything, just in your thoughts, in the quiet. Can you do that? And this was about 2007 that she asked me this question and I honestly thought I knew how, but when I tried, it was nerve-wracking. But now, I'm actually really good at it. I'm actually really good at being able to unplug. But I'm also really, really good at also being very manic and crazy. Of course, a day in the life of an entrepreneur, that's... Mania is pretty much like when you have your creative brilliance. So I'm actually... I actually look forward to those moments because that's when I do my best. But anyway, long, long intro... Welcome again to another Shin Kicking Monday. I'm your host, Bernie Shung. I always forget to tell you who I am, for those of you who are new to this show. Uh, the Shin Kicking Mondays is the sister series to The Shut Up Show, which has been around for over 110 episodes. I'm so excited to have just launched this free coaching segment uh, just a couple of weeks back. It's been such an honor to be able to help all of you in the Shut Up Show community and in the Brave Bear community even more. So thank you all for joining me today. Thank you everybody for all of the amazing feedback you give me, the email replies that you guys send. I absolutely adore every single one of you and everything you guys have to say, all the questions that you ask. So we're just going to get right into today's question. I I saved it just in case I forget it. But uh, today's question was sent in by a dear friend of mine who I've yet to meet in person. And I have the tendency to say that quite a bit because many of you are my dear friends. I feel like I've known you forever, but we still haven't met in person. Anyway, Julie Shiranosher is from Israel, or is in Israel currently. And she sent in this question. She's a remarkable person in general. So again, when I get these questions, I'm always so shocked at how some of these things are still... An issue or a problem, or, you know, maybe these are still some challenges that we have yet to overcome, even though we're absolutely amazing. Because, like I said, all the people who send in questions are absolutely amazing, but they still run into these troubles and these challenges. And I love it. Because, you know, instead of judging like most people would, right? Most people would say, you should have your shit together. Like, no person who coaches or consults or helps other people should have problems. You should have it all figured out. And I think that's bullshit. I'm going to call bullshit on all of the people. Who say that because the reality is it's especially when you move up that tier of becoming somebody who is responsible for helping and supporting people that is especially when you have these great challenges that will require you to get even more help and to get even more support to help you help others. Okay, So anyway, Julie, thank you for the question, and here is the question. It's kind of a comment and a question at the end. All right, Julie says, I think that what I struggle most with in my journey is how to let go and allow things to happen. I find myself constantly calculating, worrying, and trying to find alternatives on every scenario I can possibly imagine, and that doesn't leave much room for growth, I find. So I wanted to ask, how does one let go and allow success? into one's life. Fabulous question. Fabulous. Cause I can't tell you enough how many times this, this issue comes up quite a bit, uh, for myself and for the people that I've helped and for a lot of people, my peers who continue to, to struggle with this every single day despite how much success they have seen. So I want to kind of take a step back because I think what's really being asked here in this question is, um, am I holding myself back from being more successful? And if so, why is that happening? And one of the things I learned early on when I started coaching seven years ago was that I had to redefine what I believe success to be before I could even move forward and begin to build a successful business and career in coaching. Because if you already don't have a great or positive or healthy relationship with what success means to you, then it's very hard for you to achieve success because you're going to constantly sabotage. You're going to constantly hold yourself back from being more successful. Because success means something different to everybody else. And if success to you has been has been a negative negative connotation, it's been something that maybe left you feeling Uneasy or uncomfortable in some way, then you're going to find ways to sabotage success from happening in your life. So let's let's step back and start by defining success. And I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer to the definition of success, but I'll I'll walk you through this example of how I do it, and then you can take this away after we talk today here. And you can start to facilitate this process of redefining success for yourself. I think this is absolutely critical and important because this is where we remove the blocks that are holding you back from achieving more of the success that you wish you had in your life. So what does success mean to me? How do I define success? For me, success means that I am living and working and doing things that serve the people that I want to help and who want my help. Okay, I know that sounds a little lengthy and elaborate, but that's the best way I can describe it. So let's put it into a more, um, you know, an example that's easier for you to understand and, and, and kind of walk us through what does this look like, right? What does success look like? And success today for me in May of 2014 looks like me showing up every single day to provide the services and the skills and the expertise that I have. So that's listening. That's, you know, speaking. That's coaching. That's consulting. That's being a shoulder for somebody to cry on. That's being an objective ear for somebody who's tired of all the naysayers. That's being a sounding board for somebody who has some really tough decisions to make and they want somebody they can trust to listen and be there for them and, and give them back some feedback that isn't too critical or that is, you know, not subjective to them, right? So success to me is showing up every week doing this work that I'm good at because it helps offer a solution for the people who want help from me, especially, and the things that I can do for them. That's what success today means to me. And if I can facilitate what I do in the process of helping others get what they need, And we're doing positive and productive and constructive things together to help make our lives more meaningful, more optimal, and essentially to make this world a better place. Then to me, that's how I define success. Now, when we start talking about money and material objects that come as a result of all of the success you've seen That's only, you know, later down the road. That's when that part of the equation comes into that definition of success. Because I think sometimes what people do is they have this tendency to believe that success equates to I've got millions of dollars in the bank and, you know, a really nice sports car in my driveway. And I've got the, you know, four bedroom home in the suburbs with the white picket fence and the two kids and two dogs kind of thing, right? So people start defining success as this picture of material things. But once what ends up happening, and and I've seen this happen myself personally in my life and for other people as well who've gone through this, you've chased that success of what you think it looks like, right, and not how it feels. And once you get there, once you get that home, once you get those children, once you get the dogs, once you get that job, that car, you know, the nice clothes and nice shoes and all of the other shiny objects that go along with it, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. My point is once you achieve that If there's nothing else in here, right? If there's if if you haven't satisfied what makes your heart flutter, then you're still going to constantly yearn for more. No matter how much you have, no matter how much money is in the bank, no matter how big your house is, no matter how high you climbed up the ladder, no matter how wonderful you know of the material objects you have in your life is, you'll never feel that certain sense of gratification and fulfillment if this right here is not fulfilled. So that's why I say redefining what success means to you is so important because if we're chasing different accolades to define success for us, you're going to be running for a very, very long time. And there'll never be that moment of celebration and that moment of triumph because you'll never feel like anything is good enough, right? On the outside, you look successful. On the inside, you're feeling unfulfilled. I used to say that all the time when I had my sales job. And it's not to say that I wasn't happy at one point in my sales job. I do know that I was happy when I felt like I looked like somebody who was more successful than other people around me. And the moment I saw somebody else successful next to me who looked like they were more successful than me, then the less I felt successful because there was nothing going on inside that was feeling fulfilled. Everything was all working towards this outer shell, making the outer shell look great and look, you know, of a certain prominence and caliber when inside I felt like a hollow shell. Okay. So redefine success for you. That's step one, you guys. Step one to respond to Julie's question specifically is redefine what success means to you. I want you to write about, and maybe you can even talk into your voice memo. I've got my iPhone, so I'll talk into my voice memo sometimes and record it if you're not a writer. But if you're a writer, first talk about what does success look like, what does success sound like, what does success feel like, especially what does success feel like. I want you to paint the entire picture. Because I think that will help you get closer to your redefinition of success. And once you understand what your redefinition of success is, only from that point on can you move forward and you can you start to realize the things that you need to let go of in order to get closer to success. What you need to stop doing in order to start creating the lifestyle and the space for success. And what you need to, you know, eliminate completely that's holding you back from all the things that you would rather be doing and the people that you'd rather be doing it with. That's the only way we can really start to close that gap between where you are now unhappily and where you want to be, right? More fulfilled. But it comes from knowing what success means to you. Okay, so again, to reiterate, success to me means that I am showing up every single day to do the work that I love to do that I know helps the people. Who are seeking the help that I can give them? That's what success is to me. And if I happen to have nice things, and I happen to have money in the bank, and if I happen to have, you know, other accolades and material objects that that can um, supplement how I'm already feeling inside, that's just gravy on top of it. But, you know, just the sheer fact of knowing that I have the ability to impact positive change and help others, that's what fulfills me. That's what sustains me. And I'll tell you something right now, as an entrepreneur, as a coach, um, those are the two primary things I call myself in business. Um, those two things fulfill me so much. That I wake up every day yearning to do what I do. I absolutely love what I do and I don't see it as work because I've incorporated it now into my lifestyle. This is my life, guys. This is what I devote my time, my energy and my heart to because I believe in it so much. And yes, I do work hard. Yes, I do work a lot. But at the same token, this work and this, this, this time and energy I put into this is a contribution towards making this world a better place and essentially making me feel better about myself and my worth here on this planet in this time that I am alive and I'm breathing and I have the ability to do that. Okay, so Julie, to kind of go back to that, that is where we need to start. Redefine success. And only from that moment on can we start to let go of the things that don't serve us so that we can create the room for things to serve us and to help us. We're at about 12.15 right now. We've got about another 15 more minutes. I'm I'm just going to break this down a little bit further because I think there are some more tactical things we can do here to address this question. So now that we've talked about redefining success and how we need to shift the way we think and the way we view what success is to us, and again, that's subjective to every single one of us. There's no right or wrong answer. Success, the definition of it, will equal what you give it. Right? It'll equal whatever definition you get it, give it. There's no right or wrong. That's where you need to start. Start by redefining success. The second step then is to start creating the space, right? The space is is crowded with a lot of things and people and stuff. So the second step is how do we take a look at the space and remove the things that don't serve us? How do we get rid of the things that aren't helping? right? How do we eliminate the things that are sabotaging or holding us back? There's a lot of things that I can think about that could be doing this. Um, I'll use some of my own examples. I mean, when I started coaching, like I said, when I had to redefine success, it was helping other people, right? Just for the sake of the sheer doing of that help and that I'm, I'm giving people something that they're looking for. Now, in order for me to be able to facilitate achieving that kind of success, There were things in my life that I was still doing that was not in alignment with what I wanted to do. Okay, and you guys heard me talk about this before, but I'll I'll repeat again here. There were a lot of things like um, I was still smoking part-time. I would drink once in a while with my friends. Uh, We would go out to the nightclubs and, you know, just dance, you know, have fun, hang out. Um, I was doing this quite often. I was doing this pretty much almost every single weekend for, gosh, a whole maybe a year, year and a half at one point in my life, in my early thirties. And not to say there's anything wrong with that. I absolutely don't don't you know disagree with people having fun, hanging out with their girls, doing your thing, feeling sexy, you know, but I was building a coaching practice, right? So during the day I would be, you know, talking on the phone with clients about creating the space to be more successful and have a more optimal life and be more energetic. And at night I was putting on my clubbing gear and going out with my friends and smoking once in a while and drinking and getting buzzed or drunk or whatever you want to call it and then waking up the next day with a hangover and then I would have to start coaching again for the week it was it was i, I seriously felt like i was living two lives like it was a double double personality if you will because how did going out at night and go clubbing and drinking and socializing with with alcohol and that kind of behavior, how did that align with me wanting to help the world be a better place and and coach and and show other people how to be more optimal with their time and energy and life, right? I mean, at the time, if you would have asked me, I I would have found ways to justify that behavior. But at the same token, it's it's not bad behavior. It just was not in alignment. Going clubbing and drinking and smoking – hanging out and having hangovers the next day was not in alignment with what I wanted to do as a coach. And so I had to, I, I came to the crossroads a couple of years back and I had to make a decision. I had to decide, is this business serious enough for me that I can let go of the drinking and the smoking and the partying all night and being hungover the next morning because it wasn't helping me in my business. I would lose at least one or two days to recover from the hangover. Um, Not only that, but the money spent to go out and drink and smoke, it's expensive, you guys. You know that. It's expensive to go out. And so, you know, from a financial standpoint, I was spending money on kind of careless and reckless things that didn't really matter. I was going excessively. So these were vices I was using to still have fun because perhaps I was bored, you know. Maybe the coaching I wasn't fully committed yet. So, the weekends I would just, you know, hang loose and be a different Bernie. But then on the weekdays I'd be conservative and be a coach again. It was really strange um, going through that time frame. And then I would say the third thing too was the energy and the effort I was putting into uh, the the people I was hanging out with and the things that we were doing. We weren't changing the world. We weren't helping each other be positive. We were, I mean, seriously, just. It, you know, I mean, when you, when you think about it, this day and age, it, it was just socializing and going out to be seen. And I don't really understand how that is productive or constructive to building, you know, a successful coaching practice. I just don't. You know, if, if somebody out there is doing it and it's working, call me, <laughs> please. Tell me how you're doing it. For me, it was not in alignment. There was a lot of misalignment. There was a lot of disjointedness, um, going on. In my life, and so I had to be- begin to take my business more seriously. And I had to begin removing some of those friendships, those activities, that lifestyle, and those vices. Like I said, you know, the vices for me were men, um, drinking, smoking, and, you know, going to the clubs and, and dressing in sexy clothes that made me feel worthy, that made me feel pretty enough, right? It made me feel lovable. Right? Because that essentially was what I was doing all of that for. All that attention I was trying to get was because I was trying to fill a void. You know, in hindsight, I realized that was what was happening at the time. At that time, though, I don't think I quite realized that, or at least I didn't quite, um, Admit that, you know, because I think sometimes when you're so caught up in your story and you're so stuck at where you are right now, it's hard to see anything beyond, you know, your nose. It's so hard to see beyond that. So that being said, the second step, after you redefined what success means to you, the second step then is to, to think about all of the things that exist in your life right now, the people, the things, the activities, the lifestyle, everything, spending habits, consumption habits. Um, the vices, like I talked about, and begin removing, eliminating, or you know, maybe sporadically doing them and not being so excessive about them, right? Choose what you want to do with these things and these people. For some things, you just might need to eliminate it completely altogether. For me, I quit smoking in 2007, I believe it was. So for me, I eliminated smoking completely. Drinking's minimal. I probably, if anything, drink uh, like a glass of wine or something maybe once every month and a half or two. Um, uh, spending habits. I'm not shopping as much as I used to anymore. I'm not buying those clubbing clothes like I I had to to keep up. I'm not buying the $150, you know, Cole Haan heels, you know, that, that I used to buy or, you know, the uh, coach bags. I mean, just like there were things that at the time it mattered for whatever reason it mattered, and it doesn't to me anymore those material things don't matter to me right now because in my life right now, I'm so committed and dedicated to doing the work I do that having a coach bag, that having the Kohan, you know, heels, that having, you know, all of the things that I was spending my money on before, doesn't really matter that much anymore. So I had to eliminate the vices that weren't helping me and then reduce the spending and minimizing the time and effort I was putting into things that didn't matter. And I did stop clubbing. Um, Not to say I wouldn't – I love dancing, so it's not to say I wouldn't go to the clubs again. I just wouldn't go as regularly as I did uh, a few years back when it was – I'm not even kidding you guys, like two nights a weekend, every weekend, like for months and months and months straight. I mean, that was the story of my weekend. (laughs) And I'd coach all week. Go figure. Okay. So, um, again, reduce, eliminate or minimize whatever habit, activity, or thing it is that you have in your life, or people, and you'll start to see changes in your life. Because here's the third step then. Because then what ends up happening after you do that is for the third step, you start creating space. Like you're opening up the space for the people and the things that really do matter to you. That will bring you closer to achieving your goals and reaching the success that you want. Um, and you're not going to feel guilty about it. You're not going to – it's not going to come hard to you. It's going to become so easy because the space has been created for that. You've built the foundation, right? You've let go of all the BS, and now you've committed yourself to allowing the the space for things to manifest and for for them to happen for you. So for me, um, I get asked this quite a bit in, in interviews and from people who say to me, You know, since I coach, um, I usually get a lot of, you know, feedback from some people who kind of tease life coaches and they say certain things about, um, you know, having a positive attitude. And I know Chris Brogan said this one time to me when he interviewed me a couple years back. He said, do you ever get people who completely disagree with, you know, life coaching or disagree with this whole positive mindset thing and who just, you know, basically, you know, come up to your face and, you know, tell you you're crazy? And I honestly and wholeheartedly believe this. And this is what I answered to him. I said, I don't allow myself to be surrounded by those types of people who do that. So honestly, I get more people who support me and more people who buy into what I'm saying and more people who agree with me and more people who think like me and they feel like me, right? We share the same minds and hearts. Then I get people who are naysayers or disagree or find a way to play devil's advocate or you know are complete in disagreement with me. And I told him I said and the reason isn't because they're not there cuz they are. Don't get me wrong. I know they are there. But the reality is you you go out seeking what you want to look for, what you want to find. And for me I would say innately I've always been a very optimistic person. So I can positively say that the majority of the time the reason i'm getting a lot of people who are like me is because i'm looking for them i believe they exist therefore i'm finding them and when i find them they reaffirm for me my belief that they exist now when you take a look at other people you know and and i know many of them and again this isn't a right or wrong thing it's just different there are other people who go out feeling pessimistic and they go out looking for naysayers. They go out looking for negativity. They go out looking for validation that they're going to be opposed, that things are going to be wrong, right? That they're going to be proven wrong by other people. So what do you think happens? Well, with pessimistic people or for those who have this doubt or who have that fear that they will be opposed, guess what's going to happen? Of course you're out there looking for it. So of course you're going to see more of these naysayers and more of the negative people. So, so I pretty much, you know, responded to Chris Brogan in that interview a couple years back that I do believe we've got an even mix of the negative and the positive people or the people who love you and then the people who hate you. But I personally, Bernie, I personally choose to seek those who think like me and who feel like me. So it's not that I have blinders on and I can't see those who are negative. It's just I'm not going to give them a lot of time and energy. I'm just not going to go there. I've worked too hard and too long to get to this place where I've created space for people like me who think like me, who love me, who support me and who I want to reciprocate that that sentiment as well. So why would I even give any time or energy to give back to those who can do nothing but harm for me. Okay, so the third step in this process, Julie, to go back to your question is then create the space for these people to come in, but you've got to go out and look for them. You've got to let them into your world. You've got to let them into your heart and into your life. And the best way for you to do that, this is kind of is going to round up the whole entire response I have for this question. The best way for you to let go of the people and things that are holding you back from achieving the success you want is to be that person that you know you can be. Just be it. Just do it. And I know I'm making it sound easy, and it's not easy, but it is simple. The simple premise of you go out and be who you want to be. You be that person you believe you can be, that you know you can be. It's that simple. The hard part is showing up every day and practicing that behavior, practicing that lifestyle, you know, practicing the communication that goes into living in that kind of life, working in that kind of way and interacting and engaging with those kinds of people. It's hard to stay consistent to that until it becomes a habit, but that's the only way you can do it is to show up every single day, consistently do it until it becomes routine. Until it becomes a habit. And people who come into your life, I'll tell you right now, Julie, from my own experience, and I'm sure you've experienced it too as well as many of you in in, uh, the Shut Up Show community and Shin Kickville and my Brave Bear Revolution, many of you I know have seen this happen before. How many times have you seen it happen before where you went somewhere and you 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 believed in something so strongly and you exuded that excitement and that confidence and all of a sudden out of nowhere people came flocking to you and they're like oh my gosh me too oh my gosh i felt that way too i'm so glad you said that i'm so glad you showed that or oh gosh i love the shirt you're wearing because you know it it it, uh, it epitomizes what i was thinking too right so people start to flock towards you because they know that you guys have something in common now imagine if you're going into the world and you're not wearing that t-shirt right that talks about who you are and the stance you want to make in the world. When you're not wearing that t-shirt, then nobody knows what you stand for. Nobody knows how to find you. So the goal is you need to go out there and be who you want to be and do what you want to do. Even if you don't quite have the confidence to truly exude that, be it. Because the only way you can become it is to be it and practice it until it becomes routine, until it becomes a habit, until it becomes real. And then that becomes who you really are. And those who love it, who support you, will mirror you. They will follow. They will dig their heels in the world next to you. And they'll be so excited that they found a kindred spirit like you. Give you a real quick example. You know, many of you, if not all of you, have seen, I have been writing every week uh, for two weeks now that I've just published the unabridged version of my new book, the book that I've been meaning to write since 2011. And in that book, I talk about how I was scared shitless for years to come out of the closet and tell people that I had been alienated from my son. Uh, by my ex-husband because I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid that maybe I deserved it. I was afraid that maybe I was wrong. Um, I was afraid to let people into my life and into my heart and know what was going on because then I believe I failed in some way, that I didn't have my life all together, that I didn't look perfect, right, that that this was, this was just a facade all this time and now Bernie's a fraud because she can't even keep her household together kind of thing. And the reality is, the moment I had the courage to step up, stand up, and speak openly about what happened to me, and I ended up writing this book, you know, it was 60,000 words when I started it, right now it's condensed in half. And when it publishes on May 26th, it'll probably be somewhere around, you know, maybe 27,000 words or whatnot. But in that book, I purged the truth about how I felt. I didn't care what anybody else thought about me. I didn't care if anybody judged me that I didn't have my shit together, that I I am still struggling with, you know, my son not being able to talk to me and that I miss him dearly, that I'm still struggling with an ex-husband who is still trying to gain control and power over me. But At the same token, the book wasn't about me complaining about how horrible he was and how great I am. The book was just my form of therapy to just tell the truth, right? My truth, my experience. And it's not about putting down my ex-husband. It's not about making my son feel bad that he's caught in the middle. The book was about me speaking up, speaking out, standing up, digging the heels in my corner of the world so that... Others who might be going through what I'm going through can also have the courage and the bravery to stand up. Okay, The book isn't about bashing anybody. The book isn't about making it us versus them or making anybody feel bad. The book was simply therapy for me to express everything I've been wanting to say in a safe place where I won't be judged. It's a place where I'm just expressing myself wholeheartedly, something that has been very hard for me to do pretty much all of my 37 years of life because I was scared, to be honest. I was scared to use my voice. I kept suppressing it and sucking it up and sucking it in and holding it in to the point where I wanted to explode. And in 2013, when I exploded, I exploded in the form of becoming a writer. And I finally authored that book. And so when I when I talk to you guys about Creating the space for you to allow things positive and great to happen to you, it's not about, you know, getting rid of everybody in your life who matters. It's not about going off on your own island and, you know, screw the world. It's not about that. This is especially the time that you need to grab on even tighter to people like you, people like us. Right, People who get it, people who also feel alone, people who also feel scared, people who also are having a very hard time expressing this thing that they're going through, this yearning to do more and be more and contribute more to the world and feeling like not everybody understands that. Right, This is especially the time that we need to lock arms and be here for each other and support each other through it all because this can't be done alone. It takes a village. You guys heard me say that many times before. And that's the reason why I wrote the book. And ever since I published the unabridged version of that book two weeks ago, I've been getting a ton of emails from you guys. And that, it was, and I'll tell you right now, before I hit publish on that unabridged version of that book, I was so scared. First thought was, what if I'm not a good writer? Second thought was, what if somebody reads it and they think that I'm a horrible person? Third was, um, what if this was just a waste of time for them? They could care less. My life's not that great. You know, there was so there were so many things going on in my head. But I'm so glad I hit published, you guys. I am so glad I did because all of the replies I've been getting, you, getting from you guys has been pretty consistent. It's thank you so much for standing up for the truth. Thank you so much for having the courage and the bravery to speak out about something that is so hard. You give us hope. That is exactly why I wrote it, was to give myself hope. That was exactly why I put myself out there, even if it was causing this polarizing thing to happen, because some people are going to read the book and hate it and hate me, and some people are going to read the book and love it and say, where have you been all my life? Which I did get that. So creating the space for people like you to find you is going to require you to be a little bit polarizing. Okay? So as I round out the conversation here, of course, I always go over 30 minutes when I do not intend to. Um, we'll go back and I'm, I'm just going to sum up the question again from Julie and, uh, and again conclude with a summary of my thoughts. So again, Julie talked about how um, she wanted to stop calculating stop worrying and stop trying to find alternatives with every scenario so she can um, actually start to to let go of that perfectionism let go that that word I was I gave her she didn't tell me that um and allow room for success to come into it and you know i wouldn't be surprised julie if some of that comes from the fact that you were in the military so in the military they always prepare you to to be ready for any situation so you have to be over prepared you have to have about 10 different you know exit strategies and whatnot so i wouldn't be surprised if some of that many of that much of that was conditioned from your military training. Um, so I would say use that part of your training um, to to productively and constructively help you to make decisions. And I would say don't be hard on yourself if your decision-making process takes a little bit longer than others. I would rather you um, feel good and feel confident about the decisions you make rather than to feel like you've done them half-assed or that any decision you made was reckless, right, or not carefully thought through. So use that military training you had if that is if that is what's causing that perfectionism and really hone that part of you because th- those are really great skills. And I would say drill that down even more and keep asking yourself the question of why behind the why in order for you to get to a point where you don't have any more why questions to ask anymore and then you can get to a place where it's done. Like the questioning is done and now you just need to make a decision based on, on what options you have there on the table. Um, I'm very much like that too. I'm very analytical, over analytical at times. And I think sometimes that does help me, but I think sometimes that does hinder me as well. Um, it is just what it is. I don't think it's a right or wrong or good or bad thing. I think living with uh, that certain type of tendency um, can be good for us at times, right? Because we do err on the side of caution. But then um, sometimes it can be negative because maybe we might not take as many chance or risks as we normally would. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's it is just what it is. So I would say to break down the um, process of of getting to a decision much quicker than you normally would. It sounds like then keep drilling down that question with the question behind the question, so the why, 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 until you get to the point where you can't ask the question anymore, and then make a decision when there's nothing left to ask. And even if you make the decision, be okay that that might not be the best decision. Be okay that at the end of the day, if you ended up failing, if it ended up not working out, if it ended up taking longer or what have you, that it's okay. The fact that you took the, the step at all, the fact that you took action at all is more important to you and growing and moving forward than the fact that you were right when you took that action. Um, I'll close with this. Um, I don't remember the quote exactly, but on the Shut Up show several months back, we interviewed Zha Zhang. He was a speaker at World Domination Summit, which I wasn't there, but um, uh, friends of mine were. And Zha, you know, he talks about how he, in that first year that he did it, I think it was 2013, I want to say, maybe 2012, he started finding 100 different ways to be rejected every single day. And he went out into the world and he recorded it. He had a little undercover like phone being recorded in his pocket so that he could actually go out and see people's reactions. And he would go out and seek rejection on purpose. And the reason being, he was uh, seeking venture capital funding for his software startup, but he couldn't get it. And he said that what was lacking was his ability to ask right for for the sale or find venture um, capital funders. So he had to get better at being rejected because he knew that in order for him to go out and seek that funding, he would have to be rejected. And it's hard to handle rejection. So he wanted to strengthen his his rejection muscle is what he told me. So every single day, he seriously was seeking rejection any way possible. He made fun out of it. He made a game out of it. He even created a blog out of it. He had a YouTube channel. Um, he had a, a Dunkin' Donuts or was a Krispy Kreme. I think it was Krispy Kreme actually. He had a Krispy Kreme... Um, Uh, Okay, I don't know what kind of donut place it was, but it was a donut place and it went viral. The YouTube video went viral because of the reaction that he got from the worker there. He had asked the worker to uh, create the uh, donut in the box to make them look like the Olympics logo, the Olympics, you know, rings. And to color them that way, and so she did, and she did it for free. She didn't even charge him, and he ended up capturing it on video, and the whole thing went viral his his whole one hundred days of rejection therapy went viral, and he's been asked now to speak at so many different events, including tedx and um he's he's doing some really good stuff for himself, and that software company has been kind of pushed to the side because now his career is about helping people also strengthen their rejection muscle, and I'm like, I am so. <laughs> blown away by this dude. He's like this engineer looking dude, very normal average guy. Um, and he talks about how like if if he, this average, you know, like dude can do it, a dude who never had really any experience in sales or being rejected, then you can too. But it's all about strengthening that muscle. So to close out here, I would say the same thing. Strengthen that muscle, you guys. Strengthen that letting go muscle. Strengthen that achieving success muscle and the only way for you to be able to do that is to not do (laughs) what isn't working and it is to continue to do what is working and until you get to that point where you understand what that routine or that habit is you've got to change it up and you've got to keep trying even if you fail even if things don't work out even if it takes a little bit longer you got to do it okay so again step one is to redefine what success means to you it's subjective So there's no right or wrong answer. Redefine success. Step two is to let go of the things, the people, and the activities that are not conducive to helping you, the things that are hindering you. You're either going to have to eliminate them, reduce them, minimize them, let go completely. And then step three is creating the space for the things and the activities, the lifestyle, and the people, everything. That does matter. And allowing it to come into your life, accepting help from people, not being afraid to ask for help. And then the last thing to kind of round everything up is, uh, oh my goodness, I knew I had it and now <laughs> I forgot it. Um, I think I forgot. But uh, showing up every day, I'll just say it this, we're going to do it off the cuff. Showing up every day, creating a habit out of it and doing it and doing it until it becomes routine. Until you don't have to think about it anymore and it becomes what helps you to move forward in life, in work, and in relationships because it helps, not hinders, what it is that you want to do to achieve success. All right, folks, that's it for another Shin Kicking Mondays. I'm off to Portland on Tuesday, which is tomorrow. I'll be there for five days. I will miss you while I'm gone. I'll take pictures. <laughs> I'll have a lot of fun. It'll be my first vacation in uh, for 2014 and several months since, since the last one I took last year. But thank you for joining me today. It's always a pleasure uh, to be here and to help you guys any way I can. Remember, you can always leave a comment over at berniechung.com slash live. You can also leave your question there as well. Anything that's on your mind, anything that's challenging you, anything that you need help with, feel free to leave it there. I'm happy to answer it on the next segment or a future segment of Shin Kicking Mondays, which is a sisters series to the Shut Up Show. Again, we're here every Monday, noon, central, daylight time at bernieshung.com slash live. All right. Peace, folks. Join other brave entrepreneurs who are kicking fear to the curb, shutting up, and making shit happen at theshutupshow.com slash subscribe.